Why bias, Beverly? So why bias, you might be asking yourself. So for me, um, being a Hispanic woman, I have experienced bias throughout my life. And um, through my experiences, I want to be able to use my education, my work experience, and my voice to be able to be an advocate for change and affirm that all people are equal. Um, I want to be able to help create a bias-free workplace so employees can feel safe, comfortable, and welcome in their workplace. Um, along with that, I would love to create a career growth opportunities for employees based only on their ability, knowledge, and skills. So um, as you may know, Zach, um, and our, our listeners, um, sometimes, you know, employees have, or employers, they, they um, have in-person and you know, they they do like phone interviews. And sometimes in the phone interviews, they're just literally just, you know, talking to you when it comes to your resume information. And um, I think that that's like the most you can bring the most value in when you what you have in your resume, just because you're putting down what your skills are, what your abilities are, what your work experience is. And this is what's going to bring value into the organization. Um, because sometimes when you meet the person, it can create biases because of the way they look, the way how they're speaking, the way how, you know, their body language, and that can kind of create some type of bias because um, it can uh, create a mentality or a mindset of the person just because of the way how they look. And I think it's really important to, you know, bring awareness and to just, you know, hiring employees just based on their ability, skills, and knowledge. Um, and this will bring a lot of value to an organization because they're going to be hiring candidates with the appropriate, you know, skills and knowledge for each position. And also by addressing this topic, I will help inspire and empower people and employees. Um, and I want to be able to, you know, help them feel like, you know, their background and their knowledge is really important and that the organization is really acknowledging that. So being able to have, um, you know, confident and, you know, employees that walk up, walk up tall, that's going to be able to help organization because who doesn't want employers that have that type of personality and that, you know, really values who they are um, as a person and as an employee. So that's, I think that's really important. Now, I, I want to be able to bring awareness to that. So what do you think about about this? Act? Why biased? Why biased? Uh, throughout my life, generally, I haven't really experienced it. Growing up in California, we, uh, we live in a very diverse uh, state, uh, you you generally deal with a lot of people from all races and ethnicities, cultural backgrounds. Uh, when I was in graduate school, I wasn't aware of any bias towards me, uh, and I don't believe that I really exhibited any um, bias towards other people or discrimination uh, in general. But as I move through my career, I'm starting to see more stuff come down from the government level and different levels with certain trainings that may start to discriminate um, against uh, white white people. But right now, that isn't a major concern for me. Uh, but I do want everyone to feel inclusive and have an environment and workplace where they do feel 100% comfortable and they come to work and they love work. And that's the most important thing for me. That's why I became an IO psychologist. Uh, so Beverly, what is bias? Yeah, so let's talk about what it what is what's what's bias. So, um, so bias is an inclination for or against an idea, object, group, or individual. 
Um, it is often learned that it's highly dependent on value variables like a person's socioeconomic status, race, ethnicity, and educational background. And there's other things that can go along with it as well. Um, so if you want to go um, with, you want to mm -hmm. speak a little bit more about that, Zach? Yes. Uh, at the individual level, bias can neg negatively affect someone's personal or professional relationships. At a societal level, it can lead to unfair persecution of a group, such as uh, Jews during the Holocaust or slavery. Uh, sources of bias, uh, ethnicity, often gender, back, uh, educational background, age is a very common one, especially uh, ageism with older employees and even sometimes younger employees. Uh, language, uh, language barriers are really hard. People with accents are people who um, oftentimes don't speak the native language is, is properly or is easy for other people to understand. So uh, socioeconomic status, living location, and religious um, beliefs. What causes people to be biased, Beverly? Yeah, so starting at a young age, people will discriminate between those who look like them and those who do not look like them. And this can, this is, the term for this is in-group and outer groups. So, um, you know, being able to um, be comfortable with someone that looks like you and maybe not wanting to be part of the group that does not look like you or does not speak like you. Um, you know, and this can, this can also have a plus side. So it has a good side because, you know, you can gain a sense of identity and safety if you're hanging out with people that look like you and speak like you. Um, but it also can um, be taken into extreme measures where you categorize, you know, the us versus them mentality. And this can lead to um, harmful prejudice. So sometimes people can think of, you know, I am better because, you know, you can fill in that blank. Um, and... Um, and that can cause, you know, prejudice because you think that you're better than the other person because of the way how you look or the way how you speak. And, um, you know, that, that can create a bias on people where they're going to be, um, you know, separating themselves from the other people just because, you know, maybe their um, parents or their grandparents thought that way. And it can also come from generations where, you know, the people that you live with, you're influenced by them and you're going to be feeling that same way. So you want to be able to, um, so this is, um, cut. Okay. I'm talking too much. Okay. So you can go on. Let me just, um, okay. So, okay. So like I said, this can cause harmful prejudice. So what is prejudice, Zach? Can you can explain that a little bit? Prejudice is an uh, unjustified or incorrect attitude. It's usually negative towards an individual solely based on the individual's membership into a social group. Uh, for example, a person may hold prejudice views towards a certain race or gender. A common example is sex, uh, someone being a sexist. Uh, so what is discrimination, Beverly? So discrimination is the behavior or actions usually negative towards an individual or group of people, especially on the basis of sex, race, social class, and etc. So um, prejudice and discrimination is sometimes confused. So let's talk about the differences between both of these. So a prejudiced person may now act on their attitude. Therefore, someone can be prejudiced towards a certain group but not discriminate against them. So uh, prejudice is basically um, an opinion um, or a thought about a different group that does not look like you or that does not speak like you, um, but it's you're not taking action. You're not you're not 
um, you know, doing anything to them. You're just thinking about it um, or you talk about it. And um, prejudice includes all three components of attitude. It can be affective, behavioral, and cognitive. Whereas discrimination just involves behavior. So someone that's discriminative, you know, can take action of the way how they feel towards someone else. So like we were talking about earlier, you know, with um, with the Holocaust, um, you know, Jews were being uh, killed and tortured. And that this is part of, you know, it, it's the behavior that they were doing towards them. And, um, you know, it can be, both of these can be, you know, are not good. But when it comes to... Um, the behavior it can be um you know it, it, it can it leads to death and that's you know very severe um so you want to be able to um you know watch what you're saying and what you're doing because both of these can have a big effect on people um you know at the end of the day the person is going to you know be impacted by the way how you're speaking to them or by the way how you even just look at them or the way how you're approaching them or you know so it, it, it there's like there, um they, they can there can be a lot of um, similarities but they can also be a little different just on the severe severeness of them and how it can impact the person so let's move on to racism so racism is another category that goes along with biased so if you can explain that Zach it's discrimination or antagonism directed towards a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group typically one that is a minority or marginalized group the belief is that Different races pose different distinct characteristics, abilities, qualities, especially uh, to distinguish them as inferior or superior to one another. So and, um, basically, if that they're superior to, um, say, African-Americans, that would be like a white supremacist. Uh, but that would be also uh, someone who's racist, who is actually a pretty bad person. So... What is bias in the workplace? Um, most people are probably asking by now. Bias um, actually has real consequences as well for the employee and the employer. Uh, over time, it hinders the organization's ability to execute its business functions effectively um, in, a, in a timely manner. Employees who experience um, discrimination disengage and reduce uh, their contributions, sometimes they even resign, um, which is a huge issue. Going into this this next um, thought is we should consider the cost that workplace bias uh, has on American companies, which is $64 billion annually. And this is the cost of having to replace and retrain over 2 million American workers due to unfairness and discrimination that they've experienced in the workplace. So Beverly, how can we decrease bias? So we all like to think that we aren't biased. You know, and um, or that we're not prejudiced or racist or discriminative, and that we are inclusive and objective. But unconsciously, we tend to gravitate towards the people that look like us or that think like us. Um, and you know, it's a it's it's a topic that's not really talked about in organizations because it's a very touchy topic. You know, people get offensive or defensive. You know, when these types of meetings are. Um, held in, in, a, in an organization because, you know, people tend to think like, oh, are they saying this because of me? Or did I say something? Um, and people can react a certain way, a negative way, usually, towards, you know, training like this. But it's really, it's really important to be able to, 
you know, have these trainings so we can educate people, you know, and knowing the difference of, you know, talking to someone in a way that you're trying to help or you're trying to be friendly than to a way that you're being discriminative or biased. Um, so Julie Lynch from PDT Global discusses the damaging effects bias can have on businesses and on people. And she gives us tips on, bias, on reducing biases in the workplace. So the first tip, uh, to be aware of what it is and how it can affect others. So being aware, um, it's, you know, you can figure out if what you're doing or what you're saying um, it's biased or it's discriminative towards someone else by, you know, learning. You can watch videos. There's so many things right now with technology. You can watch videos. You can just literally type in on Google, you know, what is bias. And a lot of things can come up and you can kind of, you know, figure out if what you're doing and saying um, is uh, it's being biased. So being able to be aware and educate yourself on that and how, you know, you're affecting others but with the way how you're acting and speaking. So the second one goes along with that, you know, asking questions to yourself, you know, to be, you know, to know if you're doing or you're saying things appropriately. And, you know, to raise awareness in others. So now that you're educated yourself, you want to be able to raise awareness and tell people like, hey, you know, maybe like that was a little offensive, you know, speaking up and being able to share with others, you know, maybe if you feel if you're feeling uncomfortable, um, if you feel like somebody is against you, you want to be able to speak up and share things either with your supervisor or your manager, so they can bring awareness as well to the team. The third tip is to create um, inclusive meeting practices. So this goes for, you know, managers and supervisors that conduct trainings or meetings. Um, you want to be able to create an inclusive um, uh, environment where you're including everyone in the team, you know, in the meeting. You want to be able to, you know, like, start an icebreaker so everybody can, you know, be involved and, you know, they can start creating dialogue amongst each other. You want to be able to, you know, include um, examples or pictures that includes different races and colors and ages. Um, you also want to include um, uh, subtitles, maybe for people that don't speak a language well. Um, you know, for someone that speaks more Spanish than English, you want to be able to have maybe a translator or someone that can, um, you know, help them out during a meeting and explain to them what's going on. Um, and this is really important because, you know, those little things can bring a big impact on the person and they can, you know, really help them know that they're being acknowledged and included within that meeting and within the team. Um, so that can bring, that can be, you know, that's a really big one. They want to be able to, you know, include everyone. The fourth tip is to create supportive dialogue. And this comes with four points. The first one is to acknowledge. This acknowledging feelings, um, you know, emotions, and being able to be there for the employees, being able to, you know, make everybody feel um, safe and um, just, you know, happy in their work environment. The next one is to clarify. So avoiding assumptions. You want to be able to avoid assumptions by, you know, having that communication with the team and um, not assuming that they're doing a bad job because of rumors or because another employer said that they were doing bad. So by um, reducing bias, you want to be able to have really good communication with your team to clarify things so you're avoiding assumptions. And, you know, that can eventually lead to conflict or even somebody getting fired because of something that wasn't even true. Um, and this goes along with explore. So you want to be able to explore and figure out if there's evidence for what people are saying 
or, you know, rumors that are going on, you want to be able to, again, have that dialogue and communication with the employees to see if, you know, things are correct or if they're false. And lastly, how are we going to move forward? How are we going to solve these issues? So you want to be able to, you know, um, you know, have like an ending to that problem or situation by moving forward and how you can work on it so it doesn't happen again. Um, so again, you know, having that acknowledgement, that clarity and, you know, great communication with the team, really be able to explore everything and being able to, you know, figure out if everything, um, if things were true or they were false. Um, and, you know, being able to have that communication where you tell the team like, hey, this is not a gossip place. This is work and we're here to work, not to, you know, be making things up about people. So just having that, you know, good leadership um, and, um, and being able to make everybody feel safe and happy in their work environment. And lastly, you know, taking the action. It goes along with that, you know, we have to take action and we got to be able to speak up and educate our team and our employers, you know, to to really know the difference between, you know, being biased and just being, you know, sharing your opinion, but in a way that's healthy and, um, and that can create growth, not bring people down. So it's really important to do those things. So these five steps are, you know, can really bring a difference into the organization. And this leads to diversity and inclusion. Um, having um, inclusivity within a team and an organization, it can, um, it's, uh, it, it's really important. So basically, it's the inclusion of different types of people, such as races and cultures within the group or the organization. And the the DNI team, which is the diversity and inclusion team, um, which you probably heard several times by now within your organization, the concept of DNI has continued to gain traction in the corporate world, and its benefits have become increasingly clear. So uh, people and the organization are realizing that the DNI team is creating trainings, is creating things that are able to help the organization, you know, to create a safer work environment, to create better dialogue amongst leadership and the direct reports. And it's, um, you know, they've realized that this is really important with, for an organization to have. So John Bersings, um, he's a leading industry analysis and researcher. He calls diversity and inclusion one of the hottest topics um, within these last few years. And he says that it is not just an HR program or a department or a team, but a business strategy and that businesses should really have a DNI or an L&D department because, you know, like I said, this department and this team is really making an impact within organizations and are helping organizations out in a variety of topics. You know, bias is just one topic within like so many that, you know, the L&D department covers and trains people on. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the analytics and data. So, Zach, if you can just transition us to that. A mid-sized uh, consulting firm did a study on about 1,200 uh, employees that were working at, a, at multiple Fortune 500 companies. Uh, they were from all ethnic uh, and racial backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, as well as all different types of job categories. Uh, of these employees who were discriminated against 33 felt alienated 34 percent uh withheld solutions and 80 percent would not recommend uh, people in their network to this employer which is a massive hit for our company 
because generally when people are hiring, uh, they'll, they'll see people's network and try to network people in. Uh, they also did a stress um, portion of this, how, how stress support, uh, affects these employees. What they found was really um, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, these employees um, had low or no emotional engagement in their work or with others they worked with, so other employees as well. Uh, increased stress-related illnesses would come up. Uh, increased accidents or um, people being absent from absent from the workplace and well above average turnover rates for their prospective industries and also lower client satisfaction due to higher turnover in the company. Uh, also, they did a study with uh, executives and, and managers in private sector. Uh, 86% are white and 70% of them are male, which is a great step in the right direction. Um, they're, is a lot of work to be done, but it is a great direction. If we would have went 15, 20 years back, these would be in the 90s, mid to high 90s. Uh, 48% of African-American women and 47% of Latinas um, report being mistaken for administrative staff or custodial staff, which is a horrible thing. I'd hate going to work, working hard to be in a position and then someone um, taking a glance at me and assuming I have a job that's not mine. Uh, Less than 15% of U.S. men are over six feet tall, yet 60% of corporate CEOs are at least six feet high, which is interesting. And then the taller the man, it, uh, man is, the more likely he'll earn over a short man. Uh, so the taller you are basically as a man, the more money you'll make. And they, there was another study which was really disturbing to me, and I'm sure disturbing to others in our field. What they did was they took... Um, resumes and they would change the names. They'd have a generically like white person, a white name, um, African American name, Asian name, and Hispanic names. And they would submit them to the same jobs um, for the same company. And the African American, Asian, and Hispanic names are less likely to get callbacks or interviews. Um, some people attributed it to ATS tracking systems, other uh, Others may have thought it came from a, the person selecting or the group of people selecting, but this is definitely an issue that needs to be resolved in our field. And moving forward, it's actually a on the forefront of a lot of changes. Um, and these are some of the analytics that we found uh, how bias and discrimination affect the workplace. And this, that's this week's episode of the Divergent IO podcast. So if you like this podcast and you would like to know more about us um, or about IO psychology or have any other questions about your career or, um, you know, entering this field, um, we would love for you to um, contact us and we're going to be leaving our information, our email addresses and our different social media platforms that you can reach out to us and they're going to be on our description below. And um, you can contact us via LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. So thank you once again for joining Di Divergent IO Podcast, and we'll see you next month. See you next month.